Your welcome to the Davis 10 Soccer Podcast. My name is Greg Davis, former NCAA Division I athlete, and the goal of this podcast is to shed light on the harsh realities of life after sports. My guest today is former collegiate soccer player Dom Sorrell. Dom began his collegiate playing career at St. John's University, followed by UC Santa Barbara and Monmouth University. During his senior year, Dom put together one of the best all-around seasons in Monmouth program history, paving the way to a MAC championship and NCAA tournament appearance. Prior to college, Dom represented the United States national team at the U-20 and U-17 level, helping the team reach the round of 16 at the 2009 U-17 World Cup in Nigeria. An avid poker player off the field, Dom is now a professional poker player, earning his biggest win recently at the 2022 World Series of Poker. Dom, welcome to the Davis 10 Soccer Podcast. I appreciate you having me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to start because I did listen to your first ever one with Joey Pinto, and uh, you kind of gave him gave him something about the Limbrook Orbindale days. <laughs> and how maybe Orbindale got the best of Limbrook. Well, I'd like to bring up that I'm pretty sure... The Rugrats got the best of the little Orbindale animals or whatever the team was called. <laughs> wow, you're getting right to it. Wow. I'm just letting you know. I, I mean, I've had this argument with some of your teammates. You guys have some weird memories of how those games went, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure you didn't win too many of them, at least from the 10, 11, 12 age. I mean, you can give your 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 story, but. That's yeah, mine. yeah. No, listen. Get right to it. I don't. I don't mind. I was gonna save that for a little bit, but listen. <laughs> um, you know, I have. I have dark memories of the Rugrats. Uh, I have. Uh, <laughs> so the Rugrats. Uh, for anyone listening, the Rugrats were uh, a team out in Long Island that was uh, that was that was pretty stacked, especially at the younger level. Um, I feel like you guys would just do some illegal recruiting back in the days and just get Poss- kids from, from, from other t- or get all the kids from the best teams. <laughs> I think I think there was a little bit of that happening, but but it's all good. There were some care packages. There was a few care packages along the way that were sent out <laughs> the eleven year olds to, to get them to come over. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, I think you, I mean you all were were easily our biggest competition uh, back in the days, and and. I, I think I would give that to you. I think you guys beat us up a little bit more than, than we beat you. Uh, so as you did beat a lot of teams. So I'll give that to you. Whoever is on my team or whoever was on my team, that's that's saying otherwise. I think it's a pride thing. All right. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I said that. Straight. It is it is funny, by the way, when you when you tell stories of people who don't know soccer or anything around and you're like the Rugrats, the little animals, they're like, what are you guys talking about? You're like, you don't get it. It was a big deal. Names might not say that but it was it was we were we were the real deal when we were 12 yeah yeah and just those names in itself the rugrats versus the little animals i mean that's yes. like i mean we're just vying for the names there who has yeah. a better name yeah. right so <laughs> and uh Albendale, my team back in the day we had a team my older brother's team who was the animals and we were called the little animals and that was uh before we ended up changing our name becoming the heat um where it went a little downhill from there but <laughs> <laughs> But to be honest, yeah, I think f- funny that you bring that up. I I still have a picture in my childhood bedroom. I went to Disney World one year, and uh, it was one of those guys that that draws a portrait. And he's like, "What do you want me to draw?" And I was like, "Well, I play soccer. Maybe just me kicking the ball." And he's like, "Do you want to be kicking at anyone?" And I made him draw like a Rugrats player. I was like, "Yeah, wear <laughs> these colors." And it was someone just getting their ball smacked in the face, and there was like, "Wow!" Ouch. Like it was deep. Yeah, it was like a that's, deep... that's real deep. Wow, that's, I'm glad you admitted that. That's that's awesome. Actually. I was like, I was like eight years old, and I still like to this day. Like I have a signed Thierry Henry jersey in my room, and I'm like, if you have to get rid of one, like. 
keep the Rugrats picture because that's keep the Rugrats. that, that runs see. deep. um so yeah and i also know dom uh you know playing with club soccer um at some point around probably around like 13 14 at least that's when i moved to gachi i think dom moved to to gachi which was our club team a little bit earlier um but i played i i kind of grew up playing with with dom at least throughout the the high school years and in club soccer yeah no uh the gachi days were also great we finally found the same team and uh, didn't have to uh, play against each other anymore. Which was, which was a lot more fun. <laughs> nice, nice. Before we get started, I, I did just want to touch on, before you brought up the Rugrats thing, I did want to touch on, um, you know, I mentioned in your bio that that, that you're an avid poker player and, and you're a professional poker player now. And, um, you know, it's funny because uh, I remember when I when I first learned that, that you're playing professional poker and, and pretty serious stuff too. Uh, I still remember back in the gachi days when when a few of us would play poker. I'm saying a few of us, but I wasn't included. I did not know how. Um, but my dad would play you, Glenn, uh, yeah. Jesse, uh, Rocco. I mean, it was a it was a real heavy poker playing uh, extravaganza that we had going on in these tournaments. And uh, so, and then I read an article saying that. You know that that I think from from 15 years old you were playing poker just about daily, and I I had no idea. I had no idea. So that's that was pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I mean it. It's definitely started. I mean, my my brother taught me how to play real young, um, and I definitely played in gachi. But I mean, funny story that I've only told I guess a few people. Uh, but like throughout residency, throughout when I was on the national team, I was playing. Uh, I was playing online quite a bit, um, and and kind of realized then that it was something that. Although I never spoke about because it was still is kind of taboo, right? Like no, not a lot of people play poker professionally, but especially back then, um, it was something that I thought about maybe doing. Um, so like I, I've had days in residency where I'd wake up, play for two or three hours, then go to the gym and then like play, you know, try to make a national team, which was kind of funny to look back <laughs> on. But, uh, yeah. That's nice. No, that's nice. That's great. That's great. No, listen, I, I, like I said, I never knew that that the, the that that devotion was was at that level. So, um, and that's great. And look, it it paid off. I mean, you're, you're doing big things. So, um, so that's cool, man. So, listen, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, so, first question: How did you get into uh, get into soccer, and what initiated your love for the sport? Uh, so yeah, just like everyone else started playing, like, uh, actually funny story. My, my mom forged my birth certificate when I was three, uh, to play with my buddies. Cause I had a, you had to be four by a certain age back then. I think it was like YMCA and, uh, they found out like mid season. I was, I guess doing apparently well. And I did get kicked out of my first ever soccer league at, at three years old cause the, of the forging of the four year old birth certificate. <laughs> but yeah, started playing like really young, um, kind of fell in love with it. I would say my, my first memory of falling in love with it was definitely the Rugrats. Um, I remember playing for Elwood. Uh, that was my first club before that when uh, I don't even remember how Jack got a hold of me, Jack Tesserero, who kind of put the Rugrat team together. But uh, I remember going for my first tryout and uh, kind of being really nervous because I've, I've heard about the team. I remember the best player basically just being like, hey, you get me the ball and then I do the rest kind of thing at like 10 years old and just kind of thinking back on those memories. Um, but yeah, that was kind of when I first fell in love with it was, uh, was probably like nine, 10, 11 years old. Yeah. I think, I think that's the Rugrats for you, right? Like 10 years yeah. old, you already know who the star players are and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. getting those, getting those orders. So, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and what was your, you know, if you, if you could pick just, just one memory that stands out to you, what was your most favorite childhood sports memory from, from back in the day? 
I mean, it, it has to be going to uh, going to f- at least younger. If we're talking youth, uh, when we we won the state cup at I think it was under eleven, they sent a team to Paris, uh, France, to play in like a pseudo World Cup. Um, I say that because we represented the U.S. Uh, and every other team sent like their youth national team. So here we are, the Rugrats representing the U.S. playing against like Brazil's like ten year old national team. Um, and we came in 31st, 31st out of 32 teams. We lost every game um, by wide margins. Uh, but it was it was a ton of fun. Zidane was there. We got to meet him. Um, there was even, like, I think a few players at that age that ended up going on and, and obviously having, like, really good careers. But that was definitely, like, my probably my, my best memory. Um, we did score two goals. I did have them. Uh, I'd like to talk about that. Two goals on the the four games that we played. But, uh yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, eleven years old in Paris, kind of again representing whatever. Uh, I think it was called the da- the Danins Cup. Was it was like the yogurt? Oh right? yeah, I and, remember that. Uh, yeah, I think I think those moments uh, were were kind of uh, some of the honestly, just expanding on that. Like state cups back then were just like I mean I think you could attest to this. Like a state cup at like ten, eleven years old was like everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I almost feel some, I mean, I, they still have, I know they still have state cups and stuff, but I know everything's kind of changed for the Academy and for the better. I'm not saying it's uh, the system that we had was like the most optimal for growing the game and, and developing players, but man, like playing with your friends in a state cup game, I don't, I don't remember bigger games than like games against Hoda or Massapequa or stuff like that. That was just like, I mean, still to this day, it gives me goosebumps. Thinking about those <laughs> no, I still, I still, to, yeah, to this day, I still remember the state cup final that Auburndale got to when we were like 10 years old, we all went up to Albany and this was like a family affair. I mean, yeah. moms came, dads came, brothers, sisters, cousins, grandparents, honestly. Yeah. And, and it was, it was a rainy day and we ended up losing six, three high scoring game, which every score every game back then was uh yeah. to silver lake which was which was a top team coming out of staten island oh, so <laughs> yeah and i remember i still remember it's still again similar to the rugrats how it how it kind of burns in my head they still remember them popping champagne under a tent while it was raining so yeah i mean those stake up games were, were, were fierce <laughs> yeah and bringing up the memory i'm almost positive that that was the year that we lost in the semifinal to silver lake and weirdly enough, I'm pretty sure we lost 6-3 or something like that, which is funny. I'll, I'll vividly remember. Man, memories are so weird. But we, Alex Brammel, who I know you're familiar with, also yeah. played on the under-17 national team. He was coming to Gachi, um, but he was not on oh, – sorry. he. This was Rugrat days. Sorry. This was Rugrat days. He was coming to the Rugrats, um, but he wasn't on our team yet. So he came to the semifinal game to watch. And I was good friends with them at the time and still remember him and his dad and his uncle on the sidelines as we lost to, uh, to Silver Lake in that, in that bad grass field in the semifinal. But I do believe that was the year you made the final against them. Yeah. 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 That's, that's so crazy. Wow. That's so funny. Those memories go back. They had the tall center back. I forget his name now, but he played in state and regionals and yeah, I think his name was like Benji or something. I'm not sure if it was, yeah, it was yeah, Benji yeah, back yeah, in the day, but uh, but yeah, no, nah, I mean they had players. They had players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a funny. Uh, that's a funny <laughs> and um, you know, what was your looking back? What was your what was your dream? What did you ultimately want to accomplish with soccer? Um, I think ever since like I could think about it, I I did want to play professionally. Um, but. When you started, when Academy came around and then the under 17 residency program happened, 
there was always something in the back of my head that was like, Hey, I really would like to make that. Like, that'd be like a cool thing. Um, I, I didn't know how it, attainable it was at the time, uh, until like you kind of get there and you see it for your, for, you know, firsthand. I think at that time you always think you're good. You think you're okay. Like maybe you're one of the better players on the team at 13, 14, 15. Um, but you, I feel like, especially when you got to regional stuff and nationals, you always just saw these kids that you heard about, right? Like the Joe Jowls of the world and the, you know, Stefan Jerome's and you just like, you had these thoughts of how good they were, right? You're just like, Oh man, like, um, and I, I don't think it's until you see it firsthand that you could actually understand if it's kind of attainable. So I think that the first time actually getting to play with them was when I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this could be a thing. Like, yeah, they're better, but you know, it's, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, you kind of mentioned, I think in, in the beginning, you mentioned a bit about residency and you went down to, to residency, which I, I believe was called Bradenton as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if you could just talk a little bit about kind of what that was and, and how you got called down to that. Yeah. So the first showcase ever, actually, uh, I think of when the academies all started was in, I want to say, Texas. Um, and our first game, remember winning 6-3, had a pretty good game. Uh, remember there was, you know, national team scouts that kind of all of them, that was like kind of the academy thing. It was like, we're going to have these showcases. There's going to be scouts at all the games. And if, you know, if you can do okay, you'll get called into some of these uh, residency tryouts. And I remember after that showcase, was lucky enough to get a call in for, of like, I think like 60 guys kind of uh, type of thing. Um, and this was when the, the program was going to start. Um, and remember playing and uh, actually became good, good friends with two of my roommates, uh, George Malky and uh, Eric Zavaleta, both Eric went on to play pro. Um, George ended up getting hurt. But I remember after the week being like, man, like, I think I did pretty well. Um, and they both got called in and I didn't. And I was like, ah, you know, kind of such as life thing. But I think the confidence I took away from that was like everything. So even though I didn't get called in, I, I remember playing and being like, hey, like I can play with these guys, right? Like I think that's the first thing every player wants to know, right? Like as long as they think they can do it, once you you like you get to a level and like you look around, you're like, man, this is way faster, way, you know, way quicker than I ever expected it to be. I feel like confidence kind of can can get really low and it's, it's tough to tough to make. But then, yeah, a year later, actually, funny enough, the program is a two and a half year program. I got recalled in to go on a trip. I don't even remember how I remember getting the phone call, but I think again, it was just like through, through gotchi stuff, um, just through academies. And I just was one of three kids that went to uh, Panama with them. Um, and the first game they played, we played the, the second team started and I played center midfield against the Panamanian national team. And I'll never forget it standing in the tunnel and the Panamanian national teams to my left. This is my first ever game for, I mean, quote unquote, representing us. And they're, the whole team is screaming, almost like banging chest, banging heads. And I'm like, I mean, it's terrifying. And they're all grown men. Like it looks like they're all in their <laughs> 30s. And I remember just thinking like, all right, lucky enough, we just have to go play soccer. Like if we were going to fight out there, I would lose. <laughs> but like, as long as like, it's just a soccer game, like I could figure this out. And uh, I just happened to have like one of the one of the better games, and I remember the next day in video. And it's always nice when you go watch the the replays of games that you know you, you did well in. Um, I just remember Wilmer, the head coach, kind of being like, "Hey, all of the other kids on the trip were already in residency except for three of us," and he kind of said something to the effect of like, "How is Dom able to be calm on the ball when he's not even in the program?" Kind of thing. So I was like, "Oh, it feels kind of good." Nice, nice, um, nice. So yeah, that was kind of like the 
my, you know, the first time I, I remember the next day he, he, he whispered to me, mommy's going to miss you kind of saying like, <laughs> call me in and that I was going to make it. And that felt, that was exciting. And <laughs> yeah, felt, yeah. Uh, felt good, but yeah. And you all, you all did, uh, you all did school down there too, right? Like it was essentially a school where you go down there do some schoolwork and do some soccer, do mainly soccer. Yeah. So essentially a day would look like uh, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we had weights. So you got up at seven, um, an hour and a half, eight thirty, uh, out on the pitch at nine to eleven, and then school from like twelve to three thirty was kind of a, a normal day. And then sometimes you had stuff in the afternoon, but but pretty rarely. Um, yeah. School was school's a strong word. It was definitely nice. Uh, yeah, we had some lenient schooling down there for sure. <laughs> I graduated yeah. a half year early with the science award. I didn't take science my senior year, but they gave me science award. So. Listen, you were playing. That's all that matters. That's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that it was certain times when you were playing with some of the top kids where you were like, wow, this is, you know, this, the, the, the speed is real and the competition is real. Now, you know, I, I don't know if you meant, if you mentioned this or not, but was there a certain point when you kind of realized that, that maybe this dream that you had of playing professional, um, would be out of reach? So you're saying out of reach, correct? Correct. Sorry, you kind of cut off there. Yeah, no, it was funny as as good as I felt towards the the middle and end of residency. Throughout it, even as a sixteen year old, I saw like my body wasn't exactly. It didn't seem the same as other kids. Like when we went through like stretching stuff. Like now, listen, you can get stronger, you can get more flexible, no doubts, um, if if you work at it. But it's tough when you're sixteen, right? All you want to do is play. You don't really want to like, especially back then. You don't really want to work on other parts than like the game, right? Like, you know, we'll do crossing, finishing. I love that. Like, I want to get better at that. But like the mobility part of the game at 16 is just like, what do you mean I have to stretch? Like, yeah, I'll stretch for five minutes after. And, but I, I do, I, I did start realizing like, man, like my hips don't go like that. My legs don't go like that. Right. I would get stretched by the trainers and they'd be like, listen, we've never seen anything like you. They're like, your feet are all jacked up. They're like, it's jacking up your entire body. And so I, I thought then that even though I thought I could do it from like a skill skill point of view. And, and I, I thought when the game sped up for me, it was better. I was able to slow down everything, at least uh, in my head that like going when the, the faster the game got, some kids kind of got frazzled and I was able to kind of slow it down a little bit. I wasn't great at anything. I don't think, um, but that was kind of my best attribute. But I did realize athletic athleticism wise that like I was way behind the eight ball. And when you got to, that type of level, if you weren't extremely technical, you, you had to be somewhat athletic, right? You, you can't be, can't be slower than every player on the field and, and make it work. So I think my year after St. John's was, was when I kind of decided that, it, you know, it was, I didn't tell anyone at the time, but like, I was pretty sure that I, I didn't want to play professionally. And, and even, even in residency, I had thoughts because of poker kind of creeped up there pretty fast. Um, and I, if, if not for poker, it probably would have lasted a little bit longer. I probably would have tried to you know, maybe play some USL and stuff. But yeah, I mean, injuries are what they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh, the year after, after St. John's, you went to, to UC Santa Barbara and yeah. uh, funny enough that Providence actually got matched with, with UCSB yeah. uh, in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And I was telling all my teammates about you. I was like, man, he was like the top recruit out of high school. And, and, um, and I saw that you were starting and 
I tried to give every warnings possible that like, listen, he's going to cut inside to his right. He's going to cut inside to his right. And of course you did. And you scored the winning goal in a three, two game, uh, which I still remember. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember that goal. I remember the assist to Silva. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was probably my last year that I like truly could say I felt, uh, you know, at least my body wise, I felt as good as I could. Um, I felt breaking down towards the end, but you know, that's the funny part with, I mean, it's, it's why poker is kind of great, but with sport is, I say it's the funny part, but nobody really cares. It's, it's cutthroat, but when you get to a certain level, nobody really cares that you're hurt, right? Like if you're playing through injury, you're just another player on the field. Like they don't care that like your leg hurts or something hurts, right? Like it's, it's the reality of it. Even if you get injured, you know, playing professional sports, like it's just the next guy up, unfortunately, like, right. The coach has to win. The team has to win. And even looking back at careers, you're like, oh man, injury, injury. But like at the end of the day, no one really cares if you're hurt. So it's like to keep saying like you have this and this, it was like, I was just like, I'm going to play. Like when it breaks down, it breaks down. But like to say like, you know, and it's the frustrating part too, though, because you know what you were able to do and you know what your mind is able to do. But then when your body physically breaks down, I mean, no one cares that you saw the past that you could have made. Like you just can't make it anymore. So yeah, yeah. Interesting part of it. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's funny that you mentioned that, that next guy up sort of thing. Cause I honestly think that that happens from the, the high school level, collegiate level to even like the top professionals, you know, yeah. um, you can be, you know, raved about one day and then, you know, you get to an age or you, or you retire and it's, it's, you know, you, you have that sort of legacy, but it's honestly like the, the coach still has to do their job. The club still has to do yeah. their job. The owners still have to do their job. So it's, yeah. it is just kind of next guy up, which, which yeah. I think could be a little, uh, demoralizing at times, you know, when you're, For sure. you're on such a pedestal, then you're, you're kind of brought down to reality. For sure. And, um, you, you kind of mentioned that, that you had those frustrations, you know, just, just, just your body breaking down or, or dealing with some of those maybe injuries or different things like that. Um, come your sophomore year in, in, in college. So what was, you know, just generally speaking, uh, what was that, that period like for you, that, that sort of frustration and, and maybe that period of realizing like, man, like, my playing days are coming to a, to an end soon. Yeah, I, th- I think the hardest part is is seeing like young guys come up and 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 playing, uh, just not being able to do what you you know you used to be able to do or want to do on the field. Right? It's it's a very frustrating feeling. And again, like you want to almost say like I could have done that. I used to be able to do that, but it's like you can't anymore. Um, and it's hard to live with. I think, and it's it's a hard adjustment almost because even kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but you know, I got surgery, my first surgery after that sophomore year at Santa Barbara. Um, and my junior year, like I just wasn't the same. And, you know, you still have, I, I, it's funny. I, I talk about ego a lot and it's something I try to talk to younger players about whenever they ask stuff. And it's such a tough thing, ego, right? Cause you need enough of it. Um, you need enough of like a chip on your shoulder and even call it an ego to be great. I think to be good, but also humble enough to understand uh, especially in a team environment, like where you fit, right? So when you were the best, maybe the next year you're not, right? And it happens again, like giving crazy examples, like the Brady's and LeBron's of the world, right? Like they're going to get worse, right? They're, you know, they're in their forties now and they're going to have to change their game to better fit the team. And it's sometimes really hard to do right away, right? And I remember my soft junior year at Santa Barbara, it was like, man, like I can't do the same things that I was able to do six months ago. Like that's frustrating. And it's like hard to kind of wrap your head around it and you're playing bad. And then you're kind of 
you, you, you have an attitude because you're like, wait, no, I'm good. Like you guys remember, like I'm, I'm good. And I think that's like a, was a really funny transition from like my junior year at Santa Barbara. I left, ended up finishing at Monmouth in a completely different role where I was, I was still one of the better players on the team, but I was like maybe half the player I was kind of, kind of at the peak. And yeah, it's, it's a difficult transition. And to tell a, you know, an 18, 19, 20 year old kid to try to do it is I think even, even harder to, to ask. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely difficult. Now, would you, you know, you, you kind of had the injuries and different things that, that played in, in, in that played a part, but was there any sort of blame that you put on yourself for, for not reaching any of the goals that you set your mind to? Is there anything that you look back to and you, and you look at yourself and outside of the injuries, like I could have done this differently, that differently. Yeah. You know, regrets are funny. It's almost like I put everything into making that under 17 team and a team again that like I wasn't good enough to make. I needed a lot of luck to make. Um, And once I somehow made the World Cup roster, which was like at a time, probably like less than 2% to happen. I like almost felt like I had like it was it like I had reached it. And it was like a weird feeling like I knew I didn't want to play professionally, I don't think. And like that was it. And it's almost like all the weight was lifted and I kind of like gave, gave up in a sense, but you know, I kind of knew I wanted to play poker. So I don't really have like too many regrets. One of the main ones, but it's tough with regret, right? Because to tell a 15, 16 year old kid, like, Hey, you really need to start stretching now. Like you could have told me that back then. And I probably still wouldn't have done it because it was just (laughs) such a boring activity. All I wanted to do was play. So if I, if someone was like, Hey, like if you really put a lot of time and work into, you know, your body physically back then it would pay off. Sure, that would be, that would have been great for me to be mature enough at fifteen to to want to do it, but yeah, to call it a regret is is kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah, no, I think if someone were telling me about those things back in, in that day again, I'd have the same reaction as you. And what it, I, I remember, uh, you mentioned surgery, but it it was your hip, right? And I think you had I think you had two hip surgeries, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I ended up getting a third. I finally got my the the left one kind of like fully replaced after got the labrum stuff. Um, you know, labrums are weird it, learning more about them, but I had, I had the labrum surgery and then I had a kind of a really serious one where they kind of like break your hip and shaved up all the arthritis and kind of like screw it back together. And thinking back, you know, of all the regrets, maybe like not even getting a surgery and just kind of really trying to go at it from a, like, let's just try to fix your body point of view. But I mean, at, at that point I had, you know, I was, I was pretty banged up with, with arthritis in my hips and it's, it's tough to kind of say like, oh, I shouldn't have, all you want to do is play and get out of pain. Right. So if some doctor tells you like, Hey, at 17, like if you get this surgery, you'll feel a lot better. You're like, all right, let's go. Like, just yeah. let me feel better on the field. That's all you're kind of, it's all you're kind of thinking. And it's definitely something I think, uh, I'm sure more colleges have it now, but, but even, you know, at the, the younger levels that they should focus on just like trying to steer kids away from surgery as long as possible. They kind of did when we grew up, but there wasn't nearly as much information as there is now, as far as stuff you can do to prevent surgeries or at least try to before you know, make it a last resort type of thing. Um, and I just think back then I was just kind of like, let's go. Like I want to play, get me out of pain. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I still, I mean, to this day, sometimes, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to, to some other players and we're like, man, hit up Dom. And, and, you know, like your close friends are like, no, I'm just going to play goalie. Like his, his hips can't move. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, listen, I'm, I'm glad that you got that all, you know, you got that all sorted and, and sounds like you're fully recovered. Um, 
what would you say is 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 the biggest lesson that you've learned from the from the transition process just outside of sport? Um, you know, it's funny. I was talking to one of our mutual friends back in the day, Tyler Arnone, kind of you know who went on to play uh, USL, um, had like a five or six year career. Um, I think we we both kind of said if we hadn't found something that we were really passionate about and that we can compete in after soccer it would have been one of the hardest times and it was one of the hardest times for him before he kind of found coaching and teaching something like he really fell in love with. Cause the transition is tough. Like, I mean, as you know, we, you spent your whole life basically playing a sport, right. And, and, and competing at the highest, high, higher levels of the sport. And then all of a sudden kind of one day someone's like, Hey, you can't play anymore. Right? Or, or you can't play at a, uh, at a high level anymore. And anything you're going to do after this is going to be recreational and you're kind of not really going to enjoy it because it's really not that competitive, right? Um, I think that that transition is is really difficult, um, especially if for some reason you you know you have to all of a sudden just get like a regular job if it doesn't involve anything to do with sports or competition. I think it's something that's it's just like a whole piece missing, right? Like, and it is it is a really difficult transition. That's why I'm I'm really lucky. I feel like that I found something like poker that I can kind of just transfer my competitive energy into um and it didn't require any physical part of my body to do so yeah i think i kind of just just lucked out in in that sense yeah definitely that's a good point you mentioned transferring your competitive energy right because that's for a lot of us athletes it's it's finding something that that will still give us that same drive to compete and to win and and to reach certain goals so that's a good point uh you mentioned you know i you were kind of lucky to 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 find poker and to find that that sort of outlet outside of sports um but if there is, you know, if there is somebody who is sort of dealing with that transition process right now, um, that transition process outside of, of sports and, and sport retirement, and they're kind of struggling a little bit, um, just, just, you know, identifying and, and finding their new identity. Um, if you could just give, you know, one piece of advice to that person, um, what, what do you think that one piece would be? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a little cliche, but I, I do truly think if you can just find something that you're similarly passionate about, right? Like that's kind of where it was for me. I don't know if you'll ever kind of feel that if, if you're doing something daily that like you, you've reached some type of feeling or pinnacle in the sport and you know what it feels like to even be nervous, to want something so bad. And then all of a sudden daily, like not have that feeling. I'm not exactly sure if, if you can... I mean, listen, one thing that, that heals everything is time. Like the more time that goes by, the, the smart, you know, the more mature you get, you understand for me, even like, I never, I didn't even want to play even after I felt kind of okay. Hip wise, I didn't want to play soccer or follow soccer at all. After college, people would be so confused. They're like, you don't play men's league. You don't like, what do you think about this national team player? I didn't follow any of it because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't go to the pickup game and and play against whoever and it sounded very like oh you've played here but it was just like this isn't competition right like when you've played even if you've played in college soccer you know if you go play some you know co-ed or whatever it's just like okay like yeah it's great that we won but this isn't fulfilling anything inside so it's like i just wouldn't go like i couldn't i couldn't do it like i was i wasn't going to show up and then literally like two or three years after uh college i was probably like 25 26 um, a pickup game started in Long Island at Triangle Park. Uh, you know Mo, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Mo kind of got you know guys together, 
And it was like all Americans in their mid twenties, you know, Mo obviously very good player. And all of a sudden I showed up to a six V six game in a small field. And it was like, this is what I missed. Like these are 12 really good guys. The ball's moving around and like now winning is cool. Like now winning matters again. And it's just like, I feel like you'll find that, you know, if, if you kind of, uh, kind of just stay with it and, um, just kind of chase, chase those feelings instead of, you know, any, anything else would be my, would be my advice. Yeah, no, that's a great point. It, it's, you know, it's interesting that you, you, like you just cut off from soccer after, after playing competitively. And, and to be honest with you, I, I did the same thing. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if it took me a couple of years, but I, I just remember thinking when I was still at that college top level that once if, if this ends and 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 I and I don't get somewhere professionally with it, I was like, I don't want to play. Like I don't want to play just for fun. Because for me it wasn't no. obviously it was it was fun. I enjoyed it. But for me I wasn't playing for that specific reason. Like I was playing to no. reach certain goals. And I remember thinking like I would never play in the men's league or I'd never, you know, and I and I think I actually got back into it um when my little cousin wanted to play. He's about four or five years younger than me and and some of his kids some of his friends from high school put together a team and and, and I think he asked me to play and, and I was like, you know, it'll be fun to play with my cousin. And, and that's kind of what got me back into it a little bit and and rediscovered the love for it. So but that, but that's that's a yeah, that's a really kind of interesting point that you that you point out there just regarding that that cutting off from soccer completely. Yeah, no, what changed a lot for me was Monmouth, honestly, which was kind of funny is because I got to a team where, you know, I was pretty much done with my career. Right. Uh, you know, not that Monmouth wasn't great for a college team but like i played for st john's i played for santa barbara obviously pretty high level programs and now I'm kind of playing in a, a smaller conference but that team like changed everything for me like that group of guys and i always like say if you've never been a part of like a real team before i, I describe too i played for the long island rough riders um uh, usl team pdl team um and that monmouth team were two teams where it was like when everyone for some it's, it's a miracle because to get 25 guys, especially adults, you know, and, and the Rough Riders to like really put everything aside and just like everyone's focusing on one goal. It's like something cool to be a part of. Like I remember even playing for the Rough Riders and we were like undefeated. We were playing a very bad team and the starters were on the bench. I was sitting next to Tyler and we were beat, beating them like two or three nothing. Boys were pinging the ball around and we just looked at each other. We're, like, we're, we're good, huh? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, we're really good. And it's just cool to like be a part of something like that, getting to Monmouth, I had a pretty big ego at the time, but somehow we all kind of were able to get together and we we're like, Hey, like we can, we can go far here. Right. If we all kind of buy into the, to the same thing. And, and that's a tough thing to do, especially, you know, if you play for a national team ever, like you have 18 really good players on a national team and to get everyone to buy into to the same goal is a tough thing to do. And I, I think a Monmouth was, was a cool thing for me to end on um, winning that MAC championship and kind of going to a tournament with, with just a team. Like, you know, we, we weren't, we weren't going to string 25 passes together, but we were going to counter, we knew what we wanted to do. And it was, that was a lot of fun. So. Nice. Nice. No, I think, I think right there is the perfect way to end it. I think you brought it back to, um, to really just that, that team approach, right. Just, just having that team mentality and, and that togetherness, which, um, I think just trumps everything else when it, when it comes to, to competition, when it comes to sport, um, is that, is that kind of love or that family or that team like mentality where you're all on the same page. So, um, listen, Dom, this is, this was great. I really appreciate you, you sharing your journey. You know, we kind of, 
and we're able to kind of go through, you know, every every, every step that you, you took, whether through, you know, um, through high school to, you know, to each of the three colleges that you attended. And then, you know, obviously afterwards as well and, and how you're still kind of involved. So, um, listen, man, I really appreciate you just uh, just taking the time. Um being out here, I know you mentioned you're you're living in Vegas these days, so yeah. uh, so I think there's a bit of a time difference there. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, early, yeah. early. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Early it's awesome. This is uh, this is an awesome podcast. I think a lot of young young you know high school players and even college players could uh, definitely really benefit from kind of uh, hearing this side of it. You know, definitely, definitely. Well, listen, man, uh, we'll definitely talk a little bit more soon. But again, really appreciate it, and um, and yeah, man, take care. Appreciate you.